Hi, I'm Brendan Brannock and welcome back to the Supernatural Housewives of Belly Strange. All around the fairy tree. A sole office was lit up at the top of a high-tech building. On the door a sign read, Otherworld Technologies. Inside, Turlock sat staring at a blank computer screen. The air was filled with cigarette smoke. A well-read magazine, dog-eared to the bone, was thrown on a desk. A rival CEO's picture graced the front cover. The headline read, Bondove Technologies to Win App Race. It was a headline that cut right through Turlock's soul. It stirred up some old demons, and they now spun around madly in his bothered head. Turlock was once the most promising programmer in the world. All the top tech firms had courted him at one stage or the other. Stories, probably apocryphal, had developed around him at a startling pace. The most notable, that he was on the verge of creating a computer program that could answer any question, with an immutable truth, with an eternal verity. An app with godlike power was how many leading media sites described it at the time. Google, Yahoo and Microsoft were said to be in the words of one observant blogger, shitting themselves. He was offered inordinate amounts of money and stock options just to offer up his secrets to Silicon Valley. One major player even tried to kidnap him and haul him off to America. But Turlock, with supreme belief in his own powers, opted to go it alone. Somehow all his ventures failed miserably. His efforts at a search engine, his streaming video site, his streaming music site, his global real estate listing site, his social networking site. Even the God app proved nothing but hot air and never saw the light of day. Overnight he went from promising internet star to fraud. While his star faded, that of another Irish internet programmer shone. Jermot McGermida, the CEO of Bondove Technologies. In the race to innovate they'd fought bitter battles, but Jermot always won. While Thurlock's products went south, Jermot's ascended so high that one nerd magazine even quipped that the gods themselves were addicted to his apps. Thurlock had lost so many times that McGermott's winning grin was now permanently etched on his brain. It wasn't just business battles either. McGermott had invaded his personal stuff and stole his girl. Just as McGermott's software was compatible with every electronic device imaginable, he also ran more smoothly with the long-legged model that Thurlock had one day hoped would be his bride. Poor Thurlock had arrived home from work one fine day to hear a disconcerting humming sound. Some Bondove technology was running on his computer and the CEO was in the bedroom with his woman. His relationships had proved similar to the thousands of stock options he had been granted over the years. Worthless. Now sitting in front of his forlorn computer, Thurlock put his hands in his head in despair. Someone walked into the room behind him. He turned around to see the chief financial officer, Fredrickson. The latest round of funding was turned down, said the CFO with a solemn brow. It's not money we need, said Turlock. It's code. We've no money left to pay the programmers. They've up and gone. I mean, it's not like this is a desirable location for young programmers to work either. It's a complete back of the beyonds, and it rains all the time. I can get money. I can get stacks of it. Where, Thurlock, where? The VC guys start running when they see us coming. And those that don't run want to kill you. Turlock owned a nice home high on the hills overlooking the wild Atlantic. Each room was wired, 
afforded wonderful views of the coast and within each room could be heard the soothing sound of the crashing sea. Behind his home were acres and acres of mountainy land and Turlock when seeking solitude often wandered up those mountains for hours. When he arrived home that night he found his two children watching television. Where's your mother? he asked, quickly kissing them. Mammy's working tonight, said little Kieran. Working? asked Turlock. Who's looking after you? You were supposed to be daddy, said little Kelly. Oh, said Turlock. Okay, watch telly and daddy will be home soon. He's got a little fundraising he needs to do. Okay, daddy, they said. In a desolate part of the countryside a mile from his house, Turlock climbed a rugged hill, the vapours of his breath illuminated by the moon. His CFO was right. This was a complete back of the beyond. But to Turlock, it was the most wondrous place in the world. When Jermud stole his girl, Turlock sank into a deep depression. The leggy model had only ever stuck it out with a nerd like him in the hopes that he'd one day build a killer app. But as each digital idea fell flatter than the next, the fault lines in the relationship also began to appear. He drank himself silly for months, and then one day he just up and left Dublin, the Silicon Valley of Europe. He drove westwards, down past the great river Shannon and through the misty hills of Connemara, until he could drive no more. Before him was the sea, and there on the edge of the world he found a peaceful little village, away from the madness of crowds and the humming of computers. He found a cheap apartment in this little town, and all he had was his one last possession in life, a banged-up old computer. Soon that died too. One night as he lay on the bed facing the great void, paralysed with nothingness, he saw a figure standing before him. She was clad in a delicate garment with flowing blonde hair. His first thought, the angel of death has arrived. It was a conclusion easily reached. He just downed one or two bottles of Irish whiskey. She glided over towards him and she began to kiss him softly. It was surely all a dream or the hallucinations of a dying man. When he awoke the following morning he was surprised to be still in the land of the living. Not even a ferocious hangover. He smelt the fresh sea air, heard the crashing waves in the distance. There was no sign of her, no sign of her at all. But his beat up old computer was working again. Turlock now came to a strange and distinct tree at the top of an old hill. The hill had a name, Nachnashi. He walked around the tree a number of times, holding his trunk as he circled it, whistling a happy tune. He continued to circle until he heard a giggle, as if emerging out of transparent mist, the figure of a woman appeared. I thought you'd never come, said Turlock, smiling. Surely you know by now how many times you must walk around the fairy tree to meet me. Standing under the moonlight, he could see her clearly now, the ghost-like apparition, the beautiful woman dressed in delicate lace and silver band around her golden hair, his beloved Shifra. She then disappeared into flickers of blue mist, only to reappear again behind him, where she playfully kissed him. Are you here for love or money? she whispered in his ear. When translated from the ancient tongue, Nakhnashi meant hill of the fairies, and on that hill they made love under the moonlight. She glided over him, her soft moans filling the night. Jangling sounds merged with her gasps. 
and as they rolled and rolled on the dew-covered grass, gold coins started to glisten under the moonlight. Turlock holding the arch of her back with one arm, extended the other and grabbed the bunches of gold coins, letting them roll through his fingers in sheer delight. Aha! My latest round of funding, he said, kissing her more. The children never see their daddy, she said. Can you have your fairy girls watch over them, just for tonight? They will soon think you love your computers more than them. Once Daddy builds this app, he'll have all the time in the world, my love. He kissed her again, and his fairy wife was gone. Later that night, Turlock entered a pawnbroker shop in Galway City. Jimmy the pawnbroker's eyes lit up when Turlock dropped a host of gold coins on the counter. They hopped around. Now these are nice, said Jimmy. The purest of gold. Twenty thousands worth. Jimmy quickly transformed into the shrewd businessman. Times are tough, lad, he said. I just don't have the cash flow to pay full. Beggars can't be choosers, Turlock grinned. I'll take half. As Turlock departed with a smile in his face, Jimmy locked the gold in a safe, proud of the bargain he had struck. As the night wore on, Turlock paid some visits to more brokers, even driving as far as Limerick. When he arrived back to his office in the early hours of the morning, he sank on his plush seat, exhilarated. On one side of his desk sat a huge stack of cash, on the other his remaining gold coin. Turlock lifted the gold coin and held it in the palm of his hand. I've kept you for luck, he said, kissing it. The gold coin faded to dust. Turlock laughed maniacally. Oops, never trust fairy gold. He then grabbed some cash and threw it joyously into the air. He savoured every moment as it gently rained down on him. Do, do, do.